Welcome to Take the Money, a production of Foster & Associates Financial Services, Inc., co-hosted by Philip Marion and David Winnell. Take the Money is a podcast exploring the challenges and opportunities facing entrepreneurs, business owners, and professionals. Disclaimer, none of our discussions should be considered a recommendation to purchase any particular product, security, fund, or ETF, and all content should be considered for information purposes only. Before making any investment decision, our listeners are strongly encouraged to seek the counsel of a qualified investment advisor and make sure the investment is suitable for you. Now on to the show. Okay, so for this episode of Take the Money, we have Joe Ironi. He is the president of Global Alliance Worldwide Chauffeured Services. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Glad to be here. So you're you're working remotely currently. Is that uh, a permanent thing? Are you staying busy where where you're at? Well, if I had my way, it would be a permanent thing. I can tell you that because <laughs> uh, working from a scope is not a bad thing. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to have to get back to the city at some point, but for now, I'm going to uh, stretch it out here as long as I can. So Glo- Global Alliance Chauffeur Services, tell us a bit about sort of when the company was founded, a bit about your history and, and the services you guys provide. So I started in uh, 1988 when I was 18 with my dad. And, uh, you know, it started out as a family business. Uh, like most people in the industry, we started out with one car and kind of grew our way just through providing good service and building a client base. We did some mergers and acquisitions throughout the years and uh, build the company up to what it is today, uh, which is one of the largest services in Canada and uh, the largest one in Toronto. And we do a lot of um, corporate service. We focus mainly on the corporate market. We do a lot of meetings and events. Uh, We're very big in the uh, film and entertainment uh, industries. Uh, We do a lot of concert services. So we we actually drive the artists, Um, a lot of government services. So when you're and you're thinking of government visits like uh, dignitaries from other countries, uh, we get involved in uh, those types of services as well. So we work with the RCMP, OPP, and Government of Canada. Um, we've done some major events like the visit of uh, the Pope years ago, Nelson Mandela, many other countries that have come to visit and do business with uh, with our government. Most of the major recording artists, you name it, we've probably driven them to their shows here in Toronto, and uh, a lot of them are frequent customers. You know, we've built a reputation for being the go-to service in Toronto for providing executive transportation. Uh, We've got a large, um, diverse fleet, so we're able to offer our clients a wide array of vehicle types, and we we manage, you know, many large uh, events, whether it's board of director meetings, whether it's um, things during the film festival every year. You know, those are the kind of things that we're typically doing. I, I, I guess shuttling around musicians and, and actors, there's uh, plenty of stories you can't share with us on the air. You're, you'd be right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you comment a bit? Um, so obviously, I mean, that's that's a, a lot of business and a lot of cars uh, in your fleet. Uh, how did you navigate when when COVID first hit? Uh, what did you do? So originally, you know, like everybody, it was kind of an unknown. We, we weren't sure what was going to happen. So it was, um, I guess, the same week that the NBA kicked everything off with canceling their season. Uh, the end of that week, we started doing a round of layoffs. And 
figured that, um, you know, hopefully we only have to do so many and we didn't know how long it was going to go. But by Monday, you know, just over the weekend, it was quite apparent how deep this thing was going to go. So we basically went into scramble mode, parked cars, took off insurance, furloughed people, and, you know, just cut everything that we could cut uh, in order to ride it out, knowing that the key to getting through this is to manage your burn rate and extend your lifeline so that you can hopefully get through it on the other end. So that's how we reacted to it. And in that time, it's been very quiet. We've been just managing our cash flow. You know, there's there's been a little bit of an uptick in July, I would say, over June. Previous to that, there was really not much going on. We had many days where there was no activity whatsoever, or we might have one or two trips. You know, typically we would run days on average where we would do probably 130 to 150 reservations in a day. Uh, so when you're doing one or two, you know, you can understand the severity of it. And, you know, we have seen, like I said, a little bit of movement in July. Some of our film production accounts have started to travel again. Uh, but what I'm anticipating is that we're going to see mostly domestic travel resume before anything else happens. So, you know, we're going to be operating at a smaller scale for sure, because a lot of the business that we do is reliant on cross-border travel business meetings. A lot of it emanates from New York and L.A. Um, so without those two markets uh, being interactive with our clients, uh, we're going to be facing a much smaller revenue scale for sure. And so, in in terms of the the changes that you're you're anticipating, you know, whether it's with regards to sanitation and and cleaning your fleet, or or moving systems online, can you talk a bit about sort of the adaptations that uh, you you've implemented? Yeah. So really, what we're doing is we're looking at a number of scenarios that are possibilities and trying to prepare for them. You know, one of them is having the ability to work remotely. Um, we do have a voice over IP system already in our in our company, but uh, we just had a meeting with Zoom. I didn't realize the full suite of uh, things that they offer, and we're going to be switching our entire phone system to them. So that's going to give us just a much wider array of capabilities. You know, even if we don't decide to work, work remotely, it gives us the flexibility. So that's one of the areas we're doing. We're looking at, you know, I'm working on a technology piece that will change our, um, our industry quite a bit because one of the difficulties has been up until now, we've lacked behind in technology. We've seen services come up that were technology companies. They were, you know, pretended to be a technology company, even though they're a transportation company, but they still had a very advanced technology. So that kind of pushed the envelope for us to demand more of our software suppliers. And now what we're seeing is that our technology is catching up and we're gonna be able to offer advanced features to our clients and marry that technology to the network that we have globally, which is a network of professional managed transportation services. So the opportunity that I see is that with people getting away from modes of mass transit, like taxi, whether it's public transit, ride hailing services, we're already starting to see where companies are reaching out to us and saying, you know, we need service because we're not using those other modes of transportation anymore. So I do see an opportunity for those who can come out of this. I think we'll come out of it a little bit stronger. It's about managing the amount of time that it takes to get through it all. But I believe that if you uh, plan ahead, 
and you set yourself up like I'm trying to do, I think we'll be in a good position once things do start to move. You know, obviously with the cleaning protocols where we've got a very comprehensive program in place, we've applied an antimicrobial product to our vehicles. We've got uh, a disinfectant that we're using, which is uh, an environmentally friendly type one, but it's a very effective one and it's going to be an ongoing thing. We're doing all the precautions as far as wearing masks. All of our clients are required to wear masks in our vehicles. They're going to be offered hand sanitizer as they get in. So we're doing whatever we can to make the environment safe for our clients and for our chauffeurs. How much of the the change in your business do you think is going to uh, be there to stay for the foreseeable future? I would say, you know, it's really hard to measure, but I think it's going to be a significant portion because until we see meetings happening again, business travel is going to be down. Uh, Until there are large events happening like concerts and citywide conventions, that part of our business is going to be down. So I think we're going to be left with, you know, the domestic business travel to start off. I think once the United States gets their ducks in a row, then we'll start to see a little bit more travel cross border, but it's going to be limited for a while. And, you know, I'm doing a budget basically starting September on a much reduced capacity, but, you know, this is an ever-changing situation. A lot can happen. It can go either way. We can see successful events take place, which will start to change the mindset of people. Like, you know, the NHL is holding their event right now, their Stanley Cup playoffs. If they get through it successfully, I think that paves the way for other organizations to say it can be done. And if you remember back uh, when we had SARS, you know, it took the Rolling Stones to come to town and they did the SARS concert. And that really changed things for Toronto. You know, the world started looking at us a little bit differently, like it was a safe place. And people started to move again and we started to see business come back. So I think if we can get a few events under our belt like that, hopefully the film festival can put on something to some degree. Those kind of events will will help spur other events and other companies to start saying, well, it is possible because I think in the end we're social creatures and we want to get back to face to face meetings. The video conferencing has a place. I think it's going to be a permanent fixture in our in our working world now, but it's got its limitations too. And there is still the need for face-to-face events. I know just from going to industry conferences myself, there are things that come up because you are there physically. There's meetings that come up. There are certain events where conversations that happen, opportunities that arise on their own just because you're in the environment. You can't achieve that online. So I think that we will get back to it, but it's going to take some time. And it all depends on how they manage things with a treatment, with the political climate in the United States. And, uh, you know, what happens in the fall when we typically run into a flu-like season. Did you did your experience with SARS help you with your decision making when this hit or are they completely are they not comparable? They're not really comparable because with SARS, we were kind of isolated. So the effect was here in Toronto. So we didn't really, we didn't really have to park vehicles and we didn't, we did have to do a couple of layoffs, but really not to a great degree. There was still some travel going on, you know, as normal, it was definitely reduced, but here we have a situation where worldwide things are shut down. So it's on a whole other scale. 
I assume you're you're in fairly regular contact with other members of this this global network. Like, is is pretty much everyone at the same spot that that you are and and we are in Southern Ontario, or are there other you know countries or, or regions that seem to be picking up a lot more quickly? Like, what what kind of feedback are you getting from that network? So it definitely varies by country and region, but most people are still extremely devastated by the uh, lack of activity. So, you know, there are some that are maybe doing a little more than others, but uh, not to any great degree. We're, we're all still feeling it uh, to the same relative amount. So I'm in touch with operators throughout the United States, throughout the world. And, uh, you know, everybody is still facing a, a severe drop. And, you know, the, the major hurdle to everything, I think, is the United States. Um, it's very difficult there for those operators because not only are they dealing with um, what seems to be a mismanagement of the caseloads, but their programs are a little bit more challenging to deal with. I, I have to say that here in Canada, I think that the government's approach about you know shooting first and aiming later was very helpful and the right way to go, where they kind of allayed everybody's fears economically by throwing money out there and, and creating programs that will allow companies and individuals to survive. Whereas in the United States, that social safety net is not quite the same. And the bureaucracy that they have to deal with in order to apply for programs is much greater. So they've faced a, a much harder time with this whole thing than we have. So are, are there any changes to your business that, that you're considering making in somewhat a shorter time frame because of all this and I'm, I'm thinking specifically you know maybe customers are demanding like an eco-friendly electric fleet and any changes like that that um you're, you're more interested in pursuing yeah it's funny that you asked that because recently i got the opportunity to drive a, a friend of mine's tesla and it was the first time i had driven a fully electric car and i was quite impressed i have to say it was a really really good experience I don't think that their actual cars necessarily fit our needs from a comfort level, except for their SUVs. So I think going forward, what I would like to do, you know, we've always tried to be a little different. We had, we've got a fleet of BMWs, which nobody else carries. And we did that because we want to be able to offer a premium product and stand out from our competitors. And I think that going forward on my next round, when things do return to normal activity, I can see me replacing that fleet of BMWs with a fleet of Tesla SUVs, because I do think that electric is the way to go. Um, you know, there's so much less to deal with, and especially on a fleet level. We're not dealing with fuel, oil changes, the regular maintenance that a, a, a gas engine vehicle requires. And just the, the appreciation by clients about the environmental awareness and the the efforts to make to move forward, basically, uh, in that area, I think will be well received and it will continue to give us an advantage. So I definitely see where uh, electric vehicles have a future in our fleet, for sure. So you, you mentioned offering a premium service. I'm, I'm sure a big part of that is is relationships between your, your chauffeurs and, and your clients. And I, I would assume a lot of them have been with you for, for years or, or decades. How, how has managing your employees primarily remotely been for you and, and for them? 
Well, it's been a bit of a challenge for both of us. Obviously, you know, everybody wants to get back to work, um, but there's limited opportunity for that right now. So again, you know, the government programs have been helpful. You know, at least people can put food on their table. And as we do see things start to open up a little, there's opportunity to do some part-time activity and get back into the swing of things. But, you know, we've got a lot of guys who have been with us for many years. I mean, we have a bunch of 20-year guys. We still have the very first chauffeur that my dad had hired, and I think it was like around 28 years ago. So, you know, that's pretty amazing. And and when I look at the average uh, number of years of service with our people, we're averaging over seven years. And many of them are 10-plus year people. So, you know, we've got a, a good squad of people, um, and that enables us to foster relationships with our clients. And that's what that's one of the reasons that our clients continue to use a service like ours, because there's that familiarity. It's just like when clients are regular travelers and they go to the same hotel every time. It's because they almost feel like they're going home, you know, when they're traveling. There's a familiarity there. The staff know them and there's a comfort level. And our clients feel the same way. And that's why they don't use the other modes of transportation where they're more transactional, where we're trying to provide an experience. And that's all part of it. So I think that's going to give us a leg up going forward because corporations are now looking at duty of care in a much stronger light, whereas before it was something that got written into an RFP, but in the end it came down to price. Whereas now they're kind of saying, okay, well, we've got to put duty of care first and now they're willing to spend the money on it. So I think that's where we're going to be able to take an advantage of, of you know, the situation going forward. We'll, we'll finish with this one. What, what are you most looking forward to? But what I'm really looking forward to is uh, launching the technology that I'm working on, because that's going to give us a real way to aggregate our services and connect our network to larger travel organizations. So my thinking is that we're going to lose some business for a while that we had before. But if I can gain some new business, even if it's bits and pieces here and there, by being able to offer this technology, I may be able to get back close to the point where we were before. And then when things do come back down the road to a much greater extent, we'll just be that much better for it. So really, the technology play for me is the most exciting thing right now. Excellent. I, I guess we'll leave it there for now. We could probably go on for another few hours. But uh, thanks for joining us, Joe. My Thank pleasure. Thanks for having me. So that's the show. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode where we interview health lawyer and partner at Faskin, Lynn Golding. And if you'd like more information about our firm, you can visit fostergroup.ca or send me an email at dwinnell at fostergroup.ca. Until next time.